You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. Hey guys, and welcome to the special episode of the JRE Review Lately, I've had the great fortune, as this podcast has grown, to be able to meet and chat with some very fascinating people. And I thought that I would start doing maybe a series of episodes discussing topics with them. Recently, a company called Bioharvest reached out to me to discuss their breakthrough technology to grow nutrients for supplements directly from the cells. It's really cool stuff. My entire team started taking their grape supplement called Vinia, and they have been raving about the extra sustained energy that you get. I mean, this stuff is really good. It's remarkable. So after speaking with their CEO, Elon Sobel, I was blown away by the company and the story. Elon is such a remarkable guy, the type of person that turns any project he's given into something multinational. He's done it over and over again. You'll hear about it in the interview in many areas of business. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did and you get inspired by it. Check out all the links in the bio and keep an eye on this company's technology as it just might be the solution to many of the resource shortages this world faces in the future. Here's my interview with Elon Sobel. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host, Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome to this very special edition of the Joe Rogan Experience Review. Today I have my buddy and special guest, Ilan, here. How you doing, bud? It's a pleasure to be with you today, Adam. Thank you. Nice. And you're joining us from Tel Aviv, correct? I'm pretty close to Tel Aviv, Israel. All right. So, yeah, a bit of a time difference. What do you got, like 7 o'clock tonight? Or? Yeah, it's uh, 7.30 p.m. now, so we're uh, seven hours ahead of Eastern time. Gorgeous day here, Perfect. beautiful summer day, blue skies. Love it. That's what you want. I need a visit there. I really do. It sounds awesome. You got, you got to come and see the, the magic of uh, bioharvest and our technology. And no, well it the definitely. Mag- magic of Tel Aviv. It's one of the biggest party cities in the world. Oh, I like the sound of that, of course. And any excuse to get out of the winter of Bozeman, I'm ready to do it. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into it. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your background and career before you got into Bioharvest and what led to that, because you've done some pretty amazing things. Yeah, look, you know, I've been I've been really privileged with the foundational professional experience I've had that have prepared me for this role as CEO of Bioharvest Sciences. Um, it all starts back um, with uh, back in Australia, actually. Uh, people are probably wondering about my accent, and they'll try and figure it out <laughs> as we go through. But I'll I'll take the suspense away. Uh, I was born in South Africa, in Johannesburg, South Africa. I moved to Sydney, Australia at the age of 12 um, and did all my formative years um, in Australia. Um, I spent actually some time um, while studying uni- at University of New South Wales. I also studied in the U.S. at a school called Babson 
Babson's uh, the number one entrepreneurial school in the U.S., and that's where I kind of, you know, kindled my kindled, I should say, my entrepreneurial spirit. And while I was there in the U.S., the Americans allow us Australians to actually work in the U.S. as long as we studied. So I had an opportunity to work in the U.S. for a year, and I I was very lucky to actually start my career, Adam as a, what we call a, here in Israel, a schlepper on a Pepsi Cola truck as part of an internship in Massachusetts um, in a place in place called Alston uh, in Boston, opposite Harvard, uh, opposite Harvard University. And I started on the trucks uh, with a two-wheeler, 5.30 in the morning at the depot, and I was the guy carrying, you know, those two-liter Pepsis from store to store. And I worked my way up into a merchandiser, and then into a sales guy, and I was pretty lucky at that time. This is the time of Crocodile Dundee. If you remember the, the show, the, the movie Crocodile Dundee, it was a huge hit oh, in America. Classic. classic hit in America. Not so successful in Australia, but a huge hit in the U.S. And, um, you know, all of a sudden, every store that I went in as a, as a sales development manager in downtown Boston, I was able to literally, uh, literally close deals very, very quickly, purely because of my Australian accent and thanks you know, to Paul Hogan of Crocodile Dundee. Anyway, I worked <laughs> my way up in the Pepsi system and Pepsi actually offered me a job to, to, to actually stay in the U.S. and to work for two years in operations and then to go to purchase New York. Uh, and I actually accepted it. I came back to Australia. I told my parents I had to finish off a couple of subjects to get my uh, my business degree. And I told my parents at the time I was going to live in the U.S. And you know, my uh, my mother was you know she went berserk. You know, typical Jewish mother. How can you do this to me? Put all the guilt on me. And um, I said, okay, listen, I'm here for three months. Wherever the best job is, I'm going. And actually, at that time, I was very lucky because the Coca-Cola company was recruiting. Uh, a team of like middle managers to be trained up in Australia, a very sophisticated market, and to be prepared for senior management roles in Asia Pacific. At this time, Asia was really on fire. This is like 1997, 1998. And I was successful in getting a role with the Coca-Cola company on this program. And and that, Adam, led to uh, an amazing 18-year career where uh, I spent a year in Australia. Then I moved to Hong Kong. I did brand management roles in Hong Kong. Then uh, I moved into um, to Bangkok, where I was director of new products for Southeast and West Asia, launching water, juices, tea, energy drink products, building end-to-end businesses from developing the brand all the way through to actually developing the manufacturing side, the capital side of the business, and launching brands into the market in countries like Thailand, Vietnam, Singapore, Malaysia, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Nepal. Um, I then moved to Hong Kong. I was general manager of the Hong Kong business, um, as well as Taiwan, Macau, and I also had responsibility for Mongolia. And we're talking about outer Mongolia here. We're talking beautiful Ulaanbaatar. And um, I had actually the privilege of of uh, building the business and actually launching Coca-Cola locally in Mongolia. It was one of the four countries in the world where there was not local production of Coca-Cola. At the time, it was like Iran, North Korea, uh, Afghanistan, and Mongolia. And I had the, the privilege of taking Mongolia off the map. But then I, um, I got pulled into the China business, and I was head of marketing for an innovation for all of China, fighting the cola wars versus Pepsi, built a billion-dollar juice business with my team there um, underneath the Minute Maid uh, trademark, 
um, and also worked on, on leading all the local work in China for the Beijing Olympics, which was an amazing experience. Uh, after three years in China, um, I moved to South Africa. It was great to actually go back to South Africa at this time, post-apartheid, an amazing time to really make a difference in the country. And, um, you know, you can take a boy out of Africa, but you can't take the Africa out of a boy. So it was it was uh, really special for my wife and I. And at the time, we had one child who was actually made in China and born in South Africa. Uh, but we, you know, coming back, we had our second kid in South Africa, which was which was great. We had family around us, which was really awesome after living in Asia for so long without any family and support. And in South Africa, I I actually my job description was to actually keep Pepsi out of South Africa because they were trying to build a scalable business, and uh, that was a lot of fun. You can see a, a consistent uh, theme here of of battling, you know, the, the dealing with the polar <laughs> wars. And I also had the privilege of leading all the work locally for the FIFA 2010 World Cup uh, football tournament, which again, you know, after doing a Beijing Olympics and then doing a FIFA World Cup, what more can one ask as far as just, you know, experiences that you know, really are once-in-a-lifetime experiences. And so um, I completed uh, my assignment in South Africa in 2010, pretty much as the World Cup was finishing up. And then I went to the U.S. I got sent to the U.S. to run one of Coke's businesses in the U.S. Initially, I started in a marketing role. Then I went into general management role where I was uh, responsible for a business, one of the four businesses in the U.S., this business called Glasso, which is where I had responsibility for their premium hydration brands like vitamin water, smart water, power, uh, Powerade sports drinks, and the, uh, and the energy portfolio. It is a pretty sizable business, a few billion dollars at retail and a very important profit contributor for the company. And, and that was an amazing experience for me to be running such a, a big business in, in such a critical market like uh, North America. Um, and I hit the age of 40. And people say that, you know, you kind of rethink your life at the age of 40. And for me, I, I really, it kind of, you know, it, it, it came and hit me. And I, I really, I reassessed together with my wife many, many elements of our lives you know, at the time we had three young children. I had a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a two-year-old that had been born in America. My six-year-old was born while we were in South Africa. And um, and my wife and I basically were tired of being global citizens. Um, we, you know, we were tired of uh, going every three to four years from country to country. And when you have young kids... Well, that's, they- that's so much traveling for you guys. That's unbelievable. <laughs> it's traveling. It's packing boxes. It's unpacking boxes. It's... <laughs> coming in, learning a new culture, and, and, and then driving a business in a new country. Look, it, it was an amazing 18-year innings, as they say, that I had at the Coke company, and I'm so grateful for all the experiences. But at that time, I just felt that I, I wanted uh, to make a, a fundamental change in my life from a professional perspective and also from a personal perspective and from a spiritual perspective and making sure that they all lined up. So for, for my wife and I, we made the big decision to – Actually, uh, firstly, I decided to leave the Coke company and to make the big decision to come and live in the land of Israel. And uh, for me, obviously, uh, being an observant Jewish person, it was important for me to have this opportunity with my family to get reconnected to the land of Israel and for my children to grow up with a strong uh, you know, Jewish identity. And also at the time, from a professional perspective, um, the technology, you know, the technology 
industry in Israel had was just really starting to pump. This is 2014, and I think you know many of your listeners may know that Israel really is a huge high tech hub uh, for the world. Um, whether it's cyber tech, fintech, uh, biotech, um, you know, just general broader high tech. And, you know, the Israeli market's really small. There's only 9 million people here. So everything that's done in the Israeli market is really done for the North American market, European and Asian market. And, you know, I'd, I had a lot of experience uh, that I'd garnered in, in the Asian market plus the North American market. And I thought this was just a great timing for me to come and be part of this, this you know, high tech and this amazing momentum that there was in the country in addition to, you know, obviously on a personal level, uh, wanting my family to to kind of have uh, firm roots in one country. And as my wife told me at the time, she said to me very clearly, choose one more country and choose very, very carefully because we're not moving. <laughs> yeah. <in>. You don't <laughs> so want to one thing that you one learn up. to do is you got to listen to a Jewish wife. You know, you don't argue in that you get those kind of you kind of have those discussions. So we came here in 2014, um, got the family settled and I was very, very blessed where I um, I decided I was going to become an entrepreneur, a full-on entrepreneur, and kind of go back and relive that entrepreneurial spirit uh, that I always had inside me. And I was very lucky. I was able to really unleash a lot of that entrepreneurial spirit uh, working for the Coca-Cola company with many of the, the different assignments I had. But this time, it was time to kind of start really as an entrepreneur, pretty much building a business from, from scratch. And um, together with two Israeli partners who... Uh, were actually much younger than me and have become really lifetime friends of mine. We we built a really interesting business. And it was kind of weird. I went from like the front of the aeroplane to the back of the aeroplane. And I went like from the Four Seasons Hotel in Atlanta when I used to go, uh, you know, for work to really the red the red rooftop motel in Atlanta. And and trust me, you know, that's a that's it's it's a it's a big change, but it was something that, you know, I was pretty comfortable with and I actually kind of enjoyed being at the back of the plane and kind of, you know, being a you know, scruffy and bootstrapped entrepreneur as we started to build the business with my two Israeli partners. And we started a business um, which was a big data IoT and software company in the beverage industry, focusing largely on, on beer. Um, and what Good we did choice. is we basically, <laughs> you see a common theme here as well. And we basically, we went into bars and restaurants and we connected sensors to the beer taps. And these sensors had a modem, were connected to a modem. We took it to the cloud, all the data to the cloud. And then we figured out how to connect to every point of sale system as well, to be able to take every single transaction coming from the point of sale, plus what was coming from the beer taps up to the cloud. Inside the cloud, we cleaned the data, we normalized the data, we aggregated the data, and we gave the data back to the bar and restaurant owners as critical insights in an app that they had real-time insights on how they could grow the top line of their business, the revenue of the business, as well as drive significant operational efficiencies to improve the bottom line performance. Um, And then the game changer that we did with this data is we actually sold this data to the breweries. So we're talking to the major breweries like Anheuser-Busch InBev, Heineken, Colesburg. They were all our customers. And for them, This was the first time that they had real-time data of what was going on up and down the street in bars in Tel Aviv, in Rio, in Sao Paulo, in Seoul, in New York, in L.A., in Cape Town. 
Um, and it was for them, we were like shining a torch on these specific bars and restaurants, such an important channel for them to actually grow their businesses, very high margin. And this is a channel that you build brands. And all of a sudden, they had real-time data on what was happening inside the bars, not just in the beer category, but in, in across all categories. Look, understanding spirits consumption, food consumption, beer and, f- and food consumption. And it was a real game-changer for them to be able to work with their customers, i.e. the bar owners, on helping to create value and build their overall businesses. So, um, you know, we built the business over four years, and then we were very, very fortunate. Anheuser-Busch InBev, which, again, is an amazing company. They are they have great brands, like, you know, obviously Budweiser, Corona, Stella Artois. But in addition to being a, a great, you know, beer company, they also get technology. And they understand that technology on an end-to-end value chain is a major source of competitive advantage. And they decided to take temp, uh, to basically buy 10% of our business with an option to buy, to buy the entire business. I was the COO of the business, and we were very happy to ha- have them come on board as partners. We worked together for a year, and after a year, they bought the entire business. And our company, which is called oh, Vice nice. Beer Gut, yeah, so we actually, we were the first uh, food tech, major food tech exit in Israel to a multinational player. And uh, the company was very well integrated into the Anheuser-Busch uh, system. Really, it became like the big data intelligence system as well um, that was helping them solve major problems across the world related to, obviously, sales and operations using big data and also developing unique products for them to be able to create value for their customers. Um, and I was very happy working with them. I had to work for a year just as part of the deal, and I landed up working for two years uh, with them. Until um, I, I, I saw this company called Bioharvest Sciences. And in fact, my personal lawyer, who literally was like a, a real pain in the butt, he said to me, Elon, you've got to see this company. I, I, think, it, I think it has so much potential. Um, an amazing R&D company. You, you've got to find the time to come and see them. And to be honest, it took me about six months to get there. But I'm so happy he was so persistent. And I came to Bioharvest, Adam, as an investor. Um, oh, just like, I you know, see. So that's how you got into it. Correct. I, I, um, it was December 2019. I had the opportunity of meeting the most amazing team of plant cell biologists because Bioharvest, uh, at its core, they are the, you know, the global leader in plant cell biology. Nobody understands how to unlock the secrets of cellular plant biology like uh, Bioharvest. And I saw this very, very quickly with the technology that they had, which is a platform technology, which has the ability to take any essential active ingredient from a plant. So um, any type of polyphenol, secondary metabolites like polyphenols, antioxidants, cannabinoids, uh, or primary metabolites like proteins, and they're able to grow these critical active ingredients that the human body needs in order to function effectively, They're able to grow these active ingredients in cells. So they don't need to grow the plant. They just grow cells with these active ingredients. And they grow the cells in industrial-scale bioreactors. And after three weeks of growing the cells, they're able to actually provide an end product, which is very highly soluble and bioavailable. And I was just blown away with this technology, just given my background in food and beverages. And I, I did a very thorough due diligence on the company. I was super impressed with the IP and 
and the the quality of the patents, you know, patents that were across multiple geographies, um, process utility composition, which is what you look for in patents. They, the company had clinical trials uh, that were published in peer-reviewed scientific journals um, and really w- were on on a journey to just make a fundamental change to the overall health and wellness landscape from a global perspective. And I, myself, together with uh, a number of other people, we invested in the company. And um, I actually, about two weeks after I signed my checks as an investor, I was away with my family in Europe enjoying a holiday, and I got a phone call from the CEO of the company. And I thought he was calling me. Maybe there was a problem with the checks. It hadn't passed at the bank. You know, these things (laughs) have happened before. And uh, he's an amazing guy who's the chairman of the company today. And he actually had invested $20 million in the company previously um, as a co-founder of the company. And um, his name is Dr. Zaki Rakib. And Zaki called me and, and I said, Zaki, is there a problem with the checks? He goes, no, 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 no. I, in fact, I waited for the checks to actually pass until I made this phone call to you. I said, he said, do you have a few minutes? I said, yeah, I'm on the ski slope here in Italy. No problems. The kids are down at the bottom of the slope. I can talk to you for a while. No problems. He said to me, listen, you drove us crazy during the due due, due diligence. Absolutely crazy by all the questions you were asking. And of course, you know, I spent 18 years at Coke. I know how to do a due diligence. And uh, (laughs) he said, listen, but I realized from this process, I need a professional CEO to actually come and run this business. And I'm going to move to the role of chairman, and I want you, I'm going to give you the keys, and I want you to come and run this company. I'll tell you, Adam, that conversation changed my life. Because I've now been been in the role for just over two years. And professionally, you know, as I said, I've been very fortunate with what I've done in my career, 18 amazing years at Coke, starting a startup and doing an exit. But the last two years, there's nothing more fulfilling when every single day you're getting up and you're focused on making just a transformational change in people's overall health and wellness. And BioHarvest is a purpose-driven company. Every single day, leveraging the power of the plant and bringing the power of the plant to the people by our ability to actually take these essential active ingredients and bring it to people in unique formations, whether it's capsules or whether in the case of our cannabis-specific you know, biomass that we're bringing consumers with a level of solubility, bioavailability, consistency, cleanliness, and being able to fundamentally change their lives. There's nothing better than waking up in the morning. And for example, every morning I get many reviews from our Vinia product, which is our red grape cell product that we sell in Israel and in the U.S., and you just hear people firstly giving us really high ratings, um, but more importantly, their comments on how we're fundamentally changing the quality of their life as a result of our products and helping them live a, a much superior um, quality of life. And importantly, we're doing this as a company because we're purpose-driven in a way that we're leaving the planet in a much better position for our children and our grandchildren because sustainability is so much at the core of our technology as we leverage the power of our plants, the plant kingdom, and bring these unique cells with these active ingredients to consumers in a way whereby we're utilizing a fraction of the water, a fraction of the carbon footprint, the electricity that uh, traditionally are utilized in agriculture 
and also you know when there are competitors versus what our competitors are are doing today so that's pretty important as yeah. well so i, don't, I want to get back to job. that i want to get back to the the um environmental impact of it but what first pulled me to this is the fact that when i started to take that supplement and then we got it for some of the other people on our team it was ridiculous. Like, we, we take supplements all the time. We've been sponsored by different ones. They're good. You know, there's healthy stuff out there. But you don't always notice, like, a big change. And it was undeniable to, like, the people on my team that they come in in the morning and they're like, dude, I think it's that stuff that we got. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> it's good, right? And and then the more I find out about the company, it's just it just kind of amazes me. Even the people on the team, like you tell me the story about how the COO comes to you and says, we need a new guy and it's you. And the more I get to know you, which is fascinating, it's like, I don't think you can do anything on like a small level. If somebody just gave you a car wash to start that company, by like the end of the year, it would be like an international car wash. You, you don't <laughs> like to do things small at all, do you? Well, I think when you're when you're passionate about something and you really believe in it, and you know we're all blessed to be on this earth, and we got to make every single day count. And when you're put in positions of responsibility, where in my case, you know we have this technology, this platform technology, where we can take any plant in the plant kingdom, and you know take all the essential active ingredients in their full spectrum way. So you're taking all the polyphenols from a red grape cell and we're able to put it through our system and we're able to increase the levels of the key polyphenols. You have with this technology, I feel like I have such a big responsibility on my shoulders to make every single day count and to ensure that we scale the technology so that we're positively impacting millions, tens of millions, and maybe hundreds of millions of people. Like you take the product that you and the team have been on, which is our Vinia product, which is based on the French paradox. You know, the French paradox talks about how the French people, they have a really fatty diet, lots of pate, lots of cheeses, lots of butter, but they have really good cardiovascular health. So when the scientists started to understand what is it about the French diet that gives them such good cardiovascular health, they realized it was for moderate consumption of red wine, two to three glasses of red wine every single day. And when they went deeper to understand what is it inside the red wine, they realized it was coming from a number of critical polyphenols all working together. And the key polyphenol, which we call the king polyphenol, is called Pisces resveratrol. And together, the Pisces resveratrol with other polyphenols um, like catechin, coercetin, anthocyanins, and tannins, it creates this amazing positive effect on your body, which drives significant blood flow. And I'll talk about how, how we do that. Now, we took the skin, we actually took the red grape. We took cells from the skin of the red grape. We took cells from the flesh and cells from the actual seed of the red grape. And we grew these cells um, with the active ingredients. And we were able to increase the Pisces resveratrol, which is that king polyphenol, by 100 times greater than how it's found in the actual red grape. And that actually makes us the only company in the world today that's able to produce Pisces resveratrol. That's the gold standard of resveratrol. 
at a com- from red grapes at a commercial scale. And then together with all the polyphenols, it has an amazing impact that we've validated in clinical trials, all double-blind placebo that have been published in peer-reviewed scientific journals. So the feeling that your, yourself and all your peers uh, back in the, in the ranch, in the office, were feeling is really as a result of our, what our clinical trial shows is that after taking Vinia, one capsule, in the morning, every day, for three months, we were able to clinically show that we can increase what they call the flow-mediated dilation of your arteries, FMD. We increase the flow-mediated dilation of your arteries by 70% versus baseline. That means your dilation of your arteries is significantly increased, and the more dilation of your arteries, the more blood flow you have going through your body. And blood flow, people don't realize how important it is as far as your overall body's operating mechanism is concerned. Because when there's more blood flowing, guess what? There's more oxygen and nutrients going to the body tissue and to the organs. And that's why they were feeling the physical energy and that mental alertness. No more brain fog waking up in the morning and having brain fog. Because when you've got more blood with oxygen going to your brain, you're able to wake up in the morning and function. You're able to work longer. You have more energy in you. And these are like the baseline benefits that Vinia delivers. In addition, we have the ability to drive significant benefits around helping to maintain blood pressure already within normal ranges. In addition, we're able to support heart health, obviously as a result of the increased blood circulation. And importantly, another one that we're able to make, uh, another benefit we're able to talk about according to FDA guidelines in markets like the U.S., is that we're able to reduce the oxidation of LDL cholesterol. And I'm sure many of your listeners understand that, you know, it's not just one thing having high LDL cholesterol. I mean, that's, that's a problem. But when it really becomes a problem is when your LDL cholesterol oxidizes and it forms plaque in your arteries. And Vinia is able to significantly reduce the oxidation of LDL cholesterol. And this we've all been able to demonstrate in clinical trials, as I said, double-blind placebo published in peer-reviewed scientific journals. So it's great to have a product that works. And, and that goes back to a product is from an amazing technology platform. And with this technology platform, you know, we have our red grape cell product, which is Vinia. We also have in our pipeline an olive cell product, which is the benefits of the Mediterranean diet with um, no, none of the calories. We have a pomegranate cell product we'll, we'll be launching in early 2024, which is around reducing inflammation. And then we have cannabis, which is a whole new ball game, which we can talk about a little bit later. But as I said, it goes back to, you know, I'm living a dream. um, And uh, you talk about the car wash analogy. Well, like, frankly, you know, when you're in these roles of influence and where you understand the gravity of the impact you can make on people's overall health and wellness. This is a big responsibility to wear every day. And and I try and do my best every day with the team to scale this business and to impact as many people as possible across the different geographies that we operate. Well, it's what's really nice about it is, you know, there's, I've taken a bunch of the, even Veris Veritra, I've taken other supplements because they've shown, and they've talked about it on Rogan lots of times, Dr. Rhonda Patrick has and other anti-aging doctors that come on. And, you know, it is one of those things that's been shown to be beneficial for a bunch of reasons. Yet, when you take it, it's hard to notice the difference. 
It's like you're taking it, you're probably healthier, you know, but you don't always know. It's like coffee but- works for me. I take coffee, I wake up. This stuff, though, as soon as I took it, it doesn't even seem to take, like, many days to get into your system. It's like right away, you take it, and you are on go time. But do you know why, Adam? You know, uh, it's very important to understand (laughs) that uh, unlike people, not all resveratrol is created equal, okay? And uh, as, as as I said to you earlier, we're the only company in the world that can produce the gold standard of resveratrol, which is the Piceid resveratrol from the skin of the red grape, which has glycoside. The rest of the world, and you can go onto Amazon, you can search any resveratrol product, and I will guarantee you that resveratrol is an inferior resveratrol. We call it naked resveratrol. Um, and that's from polygynum, which is a Japanese knotweed. Um, our Parseid resveratrol is known to be 25.5 times more soluble. And this is, this is, there's plenty of research on this talking about the amazing solubility of Parseid resveratrol versus the polygynum, the naked resveratrol. And if you think about it, solubility is so important. And that's why in the dietary supplement world or even in the, the medical world, if the, the active ingredients you're taking are not soluble, then it's not going to get dissolved in your intestinal tract. Now, vinea is, has 82% solubility, which is amazing. The, the other factor is vinea has improved by a much better bioavailability versus the other um, resveratrol, the naked resveratrol from polygynum, because vinea actually enters through, your, uh, through the membrane into the blood plasma in 20 minutes. It takes 20 minutes to get into your blood plasma and it lasts for 12 hours, like a slow release. And we have a peak after one hour. And we get a second biological peak after five hours. Where the naked resveratrol, or polygynum, it enters quickly into your blood plasma. And after one to two hours, it's out of your blood plasma. So this is the uniqueness of vinea in the, in the context of the Parsi resveratrol. And we have the gift we're the only company in the world that can produce at an industrial scale Parseed resveratrol from the skin of the red grape. And then together with the catagen, coercentin, anthocyanins, and tannins, you have this basically full-spectrum entourage effect, which goes back to what I talked before about before around the di- increased dilation of the arteries and just getting that blood flow, that blood rush going through your system. Right. Now, with this technology, and I don't know how much of it you can talk about because it's probably a secret, right? You're the only guys that do this. But is it a process of cloning? You say you grow the cells. Do you clone those cells? Is that what it is? Well, I don't like to call it cloning, but basically, you know, what we do is we'll take, uh, and I guess, you know, maybe this is a good um, a good segue to cannabis, right? Um, we... We basically have been doing this now for 14 years. So, you know, as I said earlier, we're the global leaders in plant cell biology. And we learned first on the red grape, then we moved to the olive, then we moved to the pomegranate, and then we said to ourselves, look, we want to now validate our platform technology on the toughest plant in the plant kingdom. And when we looked at, you know, the toughest plants out there in the plant kingdom that had relevance to consumers from a medicinal perspective, we said, let's try cannabis. 
And when we went to, and we announced to the world that we were going to do cannabis using our platform technology, many of the giants in the cannabis world said, impossible, impossible to utilize your technology on, um, on actually growing cannabis. And the reason why they said this was, you know, cannabis is different because the cannabis plant has a critical component called a trichome, which actually exists on the outside of the plant. And the trichome is the mini factory that produces the cannabinoids and the terpenes and the flavonoids. And they said, in the case of your technology, you have to grow a cell and then you have to get a cell to actually grow a trichome. And that's never been done before in the world. Never been done before at an industrial scale. So going back to your point, is it cloning? Um, we basically take the plant through each stage of its life cycle. So every single week, we took this cannabis plant and we're taking cells from all parts of the cannabis plant. And we have an AI process in a way where we, we know which cells to ultimately focus on. And we grow these cells initially in a Petri dish. Petri dish. We're talking little Petri dish, round little Petri dish. And then we figured out how to go from a Petri dish into, and we're talking hundreds of liters, large-scale industrial bioreactors with the cells multiplying, okay, where we actually are able to get the cells to basically multiply so we can start to kind of scale. And in no way do we alter the structural composition of the active ingredients, which is why our technology is non-GMO, which is super important for consumers in Europe and becoming now today more and more important for American consumers and Asian consumers. I and think that's what case, scares people, yeah. right? Because... They've talked before about like clone, like the growing meat in a lab, like they, that. That's been talked about for a while, and I don't know how far they've got with that. But your knee-jerk reaction always is that sounds a bit gross. Look, ultimately, what we are doing is we are we are mirroring nature, and then we are using our technology to actually enhance and improve nature. And we we are only the the way we we're enhancing nature is we're just able through the way we actually stress the cells we're able to get the cells to produce higher levels of the active ingredients those critical polyphenols or the cannabinoids and in the case of cannabis we were able to figure out and we're the only company in the world and i'm super proud of this we we over the last you know 12 months we have broken biological barriers we have made biological history because we're the only company in the world that has figured out how to grow these trichomes. So we are able to grow cells in bioreactors and then we get every cell to grow their own trichome, which is like this mini factory that produces the cannabinoids, the terpenes, and the flavonoids. In fact, we grow 93% trichomes. 7% is cell, 93% is the trichomes. And these trichomes that we grow have a density which is 100 to 200 times greater than the density of the trichomes that the plant grows. So it's super, much more efficient. And inside these trichomes, Adam, we shared, I shared um, 
last week with our investor partners in a shareholder update, I shared a little bit about the unique composition that we have. So not only do we have consistency in cannabis, which is so important, not only do we have a level of cleanliness because we have no heavy metals, there's no pathogens because we're growing in these aseptic bioreactors, but we have unique composition of major cannabinoids, minor cannabinoids, and ratios that one cannot find in the plant. And these unique composition of cannabinoids allows us to develop signature medicinal blends to be able to target specific palliative conditions that people today are utilizing cannabis with some levels of success to actually substitute pharma drugs out there that are not delivering or are delivering with severe side effects. Think opioid crisis and pain management. Think, right. um, you know, all the challenges in mental health and, the, and some of the drugs that are being applied in that area. This is the power of the technology that we have as it applies to cannabis. And even in the context of vinea, we see today that there are, as a result of us today having vinea actually purchased by now more than 14,000 people, and we're about to massively scale in the U.S., we have amazing feedback because it's all through e-commerce, direct-to-consumer. And we have, you know, today, just in the U.S., we have more than 700 reviews with a 4.8 out of 5 verified rating. We know that Vinia today is able to address a number of indications today where people are struggling with actual cures because of the increase in blood flow that is a, that it's able to achieve which is helping, for example, people with gingivitis. I don't know if you know this. Gingivitis, lack of blood flow to the tissue around your gums and your teeth. So we have many people now that are taking vinea who have severe gingivitis, and we're seeing some amazing, amazing results in that area. And there's other areas in your, you, you can think through that are all related to blood flow, whether it's Raynaud's disease, which is a lack of blood flow to your, finger, your fingertips and your toes, Meniere's disease, which is a lack of blood flow to your inner ear. These are all potential areas that we can take vinea um, and start to validate whether vinea is able to adequately address these conditions. We've seen from our 14,000 consumers some really interesting results in these areas, including erectile dysfunction, again, linked to blood flow. We've seen enough evidence that has told us to start to spend more resources, to do more investigation work, more clinical trials. We just took on board a few months ago an amazing chief medical officer to the company that's going to really focus and prioritize on driving those clinical trials in the case of Vinia and obviously in what we're going to be doing in the cannabis space. So that's why I'm excited because we have this amazing technology where we can leverage the power of the 500,000 plants that God gave us on day three of the world and start to bring the power of these plants to the people in a way that's actually going to be able to make our planet so much better from a sustainability perspective. And it's not using a lot of water, power, land, like no land, right, other than the building. We're, we're utilizing, and you know, I shared some numbers um, you know, on Thursday night with our shareholder partners, and they were just absolutely, you know, blown away. But, you know, just to give you some perspective, in the case of Vinia, 
where we're growing, as I said, our red grape cells, the Pisces resveratrol, each bioreactor, every three weeks, because we, it takes us it's a three-week cycle, produces the same amount of Pisces resveratrol as what you would need 20,000 square meters of land. And I'm doing it in one and a half square meters. Wow. Okay, just to give you just to give you some kind of perspective. Yeah, throw and those uti- numbers we're out. We're utilizing. There. I mean, yeah, so one bioreactor for for our vineyard product is producing the same amount of Pisces resveratrol every three weeks because it's a three week cycle. It's twenty thousand square meters of land. So normally, let's assume you have you know twelve cycles in a year. Uh, it's two hundred forty thousand square meters of land that one actual bioreactor, which is one and a half meters by one and a half meters roughly, is is utilizing uh, from a space perspective. If you talk like, for example, cannabis, uh, let's talk water. Our, when you look at the number of grams of dry flour per gallon of water, okay, in, indoor cultivation of cannabis, which is the, the high end of cannabis, achieves roughly five grams of dry flour per gallon of water. Bioharvest cannabis achieves 260 grams. That's roughly 54 times more. If you look at, say, for example, electricity productivity, again, grams of cannabis per kilowatt. Indoor cultivation, it's 0.8 grams per kilowatt. Bioharvest, we're at 6.2 grams. That's eight times more. And the one that I really, really you know, care about as well, given you know, fossil fuels, is carbon intensity, you know, which is the number of pounds of electricity-based CO2 equivalent um, utilized per gram of cannabis produced. And indoor cultivation is about 1.25, and we're eight times less at 0.15. So this really, you know, this technology, when, and, and kudos to um, Dr. Yochi Chagai, our co-founder, and Dr. Zaki Rakib, the two co-founders of the company, when they built this technology, and again, they started in 2008, we spent $60 million already on building the platform, Adam. Sustainability was at the core of the technology. You have companies today when it comes to sustainability or what they call ESG. Basically, it becomes, it's like an add-on to their business. And it's something that they have to do because of the regulators. But ultimately... It, it shouldn't be an add-on. It has to be at the core of your business. It has to be you know, a lens that you make every single decision through your business. What is the impact to the environment? Am I leaving the planet in a better place for our children and our grandchildren? And that's what purpose-driven companies are all about. And it starts so you, at the core of the technology. So you guys must be way ahead of the regulators then, you know, where other companies are like, they toe the line, they're like, oh, we can only use this much of this, and they get right up to it. I mean, I assume you guys are blowing them out so of the clearly, water. So clearly the regulators in, you know, in all the markets are, you know, let's take the U.S. for example today. You know, you have massive drought in the U.S. You know, hitting the West Coast and the Southeast and even parts of the East Coast. Where the, where the regulators, where government is basically regulating heavily to minimize the amount of water and for people to really start to have an, an, another degree of responsibility as it relates to the use of water. Same thing in the context of electricity. You look at cannabis companies in, say, you know, in Colorado, right, you know, are utilizing roughly 2 to 3% of the electric, electricity grid. It's crazy. So obviously our technology helps to solve a lot of challenges that the regulators are dealing with. 
Um, but, you know, that's not enough. We as a company, we've got to, as I said, continue to make decisions all the time that are congruent with the values of the company. You know, we just, um, last month, we, we purchased a major um, drying machine for our Vinia product. And we actually scoured the world to look at the best-in-class technology. And a core part of this brief for this um, particular drying technology, as we started to scale our Vinia business, was to make sure that we didn't just have the best technology as it relates to the quality of the polyphenols, but it had to also make sure that we were significantly reducing our utilization of water and our utilization of energy. And we purchased an amazing piece of German equipment from a company called Pushner, family company. They build maybe three or four machines every single year. Um, and, and just top, top engineering, this machine actually reduces the amount of energy used versus what we've been using previously by 5.2 times and the amount of water by six times. So again, you gotta, you know, you got to be consistent in, in how you're applying the sustainability. It has to permeate impact every decision that you're making across your across your business not just to kind of you know dress your company up to to look good from a from a shareholder perspective or from a regulator perspective it's got to be at the core of every decision you make and therefore it's got to be at the core of your technology i mean but that's exactly what we're running out of right it's like water energy i mean it's across the board so it's one thing to have you know uh, a new idea and a great supplement, but it, it's like it, people love this like alternative milk, right? They go to Starbucks, they get like oat milk or whatever different one, almond milk, and they're they're trying to be dairy free, and they think that there's some sort of like that helps the environment. But growing those things takes so much more water. Nobody puts that stuff together, and it's almost like the intention is good, but the result is a disaster. Well, it's it's actually a very interesting point that you you raise, and I think part of the responsibility of companies like ourselves is around education. And you know, you know, I, I can foresee very soon in the future, and it's being done in some countries in uh, in in Europe, in the you know Scandinavia, where on every single product, it's actually going to have just like you have today, very clear labeling related to the amount of sugar in a product, or the amount of oils or salts in a product. There are gonna, there's going to be regulated, regulated sustainability metrics where people understand how many liters of water was actually consumed to make this product, how much of this water was recycled, similarly for energy, similarly for the carbon footprint. Because ultimately, you know, consumers today have much greater visibility and knowledge of it to some extent. But once companies like ourselves and other responsible companies out there start to be transparent in actually helping people understand not just the calories in a product, but actually understanding what it what does it take from a water usage, electricity usage, carbon emissions for the products. This gives a level of transparency where I think people ultimately will choose the brands that they want to be part of their daily lifestyle based on not just the overall health and wellness of the product, but also based on the ability for that product to live in harmony with the planet. And I, I think this is something that's going to come very quickly in the next you know, five years, at least 10 years, regulators will start to demand this. And I, I think this is going to really put all companies on a new 
level setting and it will re you know kind of rebuild the equilibrium across those that really care versus those that kind of care right and then the advantage which goes into another point that we've got to talk about is uh the connection to like future space travel and being able to come on this is fun for everybody but being able to grow nutrients when you don't have you know land and you don't have this kind of ability i mean in the future if elon musk has his way he's putting people on mars right and there's Look, a big push for this stuff it's a long way off but it's not how are you it's gonna- actually adam it's not it's not and 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 you know it's kind of interesting with you know the stars lined up for us and i talked before about us being the global leaders in plant cell biology so if you really are the global leader in plant cell biology on earth you have to be the leader of global plant cell biology in basically other hemispheres right the rest of the right. solar system and you know we were really really fortunate i had an opportunity it must have been about a year ago to meet one of the most remarkable remarkable human beings on this on this um, world on this planet and I, who I can actually say is a, is a personal friend of mine today and a, and a very, very important friend and partner of the company. And that's uh, Colonel Chris Hadfield. And for those people who don't know who Colonel Chris Hadfield is, he's probably, I would say, um, one of the most famous, most decorated living astronauts. Colonel Chris Hadfield was captain of the International Space Station. He um, actually... Um, went to the ISS, the International Space Station, on three missions, did two spacewalks, and, um, and basically is just a, a phenomenal human being. And he was in Israel about 12 months ago, and I had an opportunity to meet with him. And I managed to convince him to come and to see our uh, factories and our R&D, our R&D labs. And um, it was really a gift from God that he came, and he saw what we did. And basically, he opened up a whole new world for us, which is really around this whole world of how we actually leverage zero gravity environments to be in space to bring actually better products to Earth. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. We're very, very fortunate that from that connection with Chris, he is now a very important part of our advisory board and is helping us be the best, the global leader of plant cell biology in space. And really what's happened in the whole space environment in the last, call it five years, with the space race, with Sir Richard Branson, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, even what, you know, the space programs that NASA's doing and many other countries' space programs, what's landed up happening is that in 10 years' time, there will be settlements in space. There will be people living in space in settlements for long periods of time. Fact number one. Fact number wow. two, why? Because what's happened now is the technology has advanced so much as a result of the space race and this competition between all these amazing global thought leaders and their teams. And what's happening now as well is that the cost of actually building space stations and space settlements and the cost of going to space, traveling to space and back, has come down dramatically, absolutely dramatically. So, in fact, today on the International Space Station, 
There are companies doing experiments to understand the power of a zero-gravity environment on their products. And that's we're, we're, in the next 12 to 18 months, working with a company called Space Tango, which is a middleware company that we're going to be working with to look at how we take our bioreactors and adapt our bioreactors to an environment in space. Why? Because in space, there's zero gravity, or what they call microgravity. And in our case, plant cells grow differently, we know, in a zero-gravity environment. How differently? We don't know until we actually go and do an experiment. So imagine, imagine, Adam, that in the case of Pisces resveratrol in our, in our red grape cell, today on Earth, we increase the Pisces by 100 times. Maybe in space, I could increase it by 1,000 times. What could that do as an amazing, amazing active ingredient that we can bring back to Earth because it's actually now much cheaper to actually bring, actually grow products in zero-gravity, microgravity environment in space, bring it back to Earth and actually be able to sell it on Earth, specifically when it has huge med- medical applications. Same thing with cannabis. Can you imagine in cannabis, the minor cannabinoids today are so important for critical, um, critical uh, palliative conditions, whether it's glycoma, fibromyalgia, ALS, a lot of the, the, the minor, minor cannabinoids that are found in such small levels in the plant, we are able to increase them in our technology, but maybe in space I can increase them again another 100, 1,000 times and then bring them back to Earth and be able to take that into a botanical drug that's able to treat major, major palliative indications. What a game changer that can be for the world. Today, there are companies on the International Space Station that are using stem cells to grow artificial retinas, to grow artificial livers. Why? Because you can't grow a liver on Earth because there's gravity. So it all, there's no layers. All the layers that you need for the stem cells to grow cannot be actually grown in a gravity environment. So with space travel coming down and with the fact that there are companies now who are looking to build space stations, commercial space stations, for companies like ours to actually grow their products in space and then bring them back to Earth with their unique benefits that they can offer consumers and specifically in the health and wellness space. So this is one big area that we're focused on. The second area is there will be space settlements as far as just you know the, the, the huge zest to explore other solar systems and there, there is enough technology today to keep people in space for long periods of time. However, there's only so much canned tuna you can take in a spaceship up to a, to a space Yeah, element, no doubt. Right? So they need to be able to be self-sufficient from an overall food perspective. So again, this is an area that uh, we, you know, we, we have the ability to impact with our bioreactors to actually be able to grow actual um, plant-based you know, proteins with all the amino acids, which can be an important source of food for those people living in space settlements. And then lastly, what's also very interesting that most people don't realize, and I didn't realize this until Chris actually shared this with us when he was with us in Israel, the biggest challenge, you know what the biggest challenge for astronauts, or astronauts are when they're in space? You know what NASA's checking all the time? If they can in their breathe. bodies? Well, that's important. But they're also (laughs) checking, which is links to if they can breathe, 
because they're in a very high level of radiation in this microgravity environment, you have very, very high levels of oxidation of LDL cholesterol. Oh. And that's the linkage back to vinea because vinea significantly reduces the oxidation of LDL cholesterol. So these are the three areas that are like the, the um, I guess, the opportunities for collaboration areas. And, and obviously, we've prioritized the importance of doing an experiment in the next 12 to 18 months on the International Space Station. And now we're working on an R&D path to be able to get us there. Um, it's going to be super interesting because who knows what we're going to find when we start to grow plant cells in this microgravity environment. And for sure, for sure, it will have significant utility value for to be able to bring back for, um, for people and to improve their overall health and wellness. Yeah, and if, if saying that you have space weed isn't the best marketing I've ever heard of in my life, I don't know what is. That's That would be perfect. Well, I mean, look, there's a, there's a marketing story, but the most important story goes down to anchoring in the purpose. And for me, what makes me really excited, as I said earlier, is those minor cannabinoids. We're talking about THCV, CBDV, CBC as in examples. They're found in such, such low levels in the actual cannabis plants here when you're growing it. Without technology, we take them up significantly. But if I can maximize that, wow, it's a, it really is a game changer for people's overall health and wellness. And in five years' time, the cost of travel to and from space will be like you know the cost of travel from the West Coast to the East Coast. It, it's going to get there, and it will get there much quicker than people think. And that's why... Kudos to you know Elon Musk and the rest of the the rest of you know the players in the space race. Kudos to to him and and uh, Mr. Bezos and Sir Richard for really driving this because it's gonna it's definitely gonna make the world a lot better from an overall health and wellness perspective. And I don't think most people have got it. They're still thinking about our oh, space travel and traveling, but the the benefits that are gonna come from being able to manufacture breakthrough products in a zero-gravity environment, this is going to be a game-changer for future, for future generations. And I'm not talking about too far in the future. It's going to impact your children and my children. And that's cool. Yeah, I mean, 10 years off having people in space. I know people make these different predictions, and it's so hard to know what is happening. But in the world of space travel, I mean, especially since Elon, I mean, we have shot up so fast that I could believe it. I really could. Now, we're getting yeah. close to the end of this, but what I, what I want to know now is, so what, what is next for you guys? You're opening up, expanding into the U.S. You're getting these products over here. Um, you know, what's, what's the next move? So for us, you know, one thing that 18 years at the Coca-Cola company taught me what to do was to focus to stay focused. So, you know, with our polyphenol antioxidant vertical, with what we have with Vinia and our olive cells and our pomegranate cells, the size of the prize is so significant in the markets that we're operating in. So, you know, we'll be double downing on that as we scale the business and, and, and get regulated in more countries, you know, not just in the US, but getting regulated in Canada, in Europe, in China, in Japan, in South Korea, so we can really bring the power of Vinia to so many millions of consumers. On cannabis, you know, right now we're, we're busy finalizing our entry strategy into the U.S. market. 
and we're um, you know going through a process of of finding perfect anchor partners to partner with us um, to be able to bring our our cannabis products on a state by state basis to consumers. Um, and this is a big focus for us over in the next six months. And, you know, the beauty about our platform technology is that we have the ability to take any plant out there. And, you know, I think people are starting to realize, you know, the power of the plant kingdom. In fact, I even believe pharma companies today are starting to realize the importance of going back to their roots because people, people forget that pharma companies actually started originally with the plant. You know, aspirin was from the plant. And then, obviously, you know, as uh, as the need required for more consistency and for patentability and just general corporate meeting general corporate objectives, they moved to synthesize chemical compounds. Now, you know, there's been a lot that's been achieved in the in the pharma world in the last you know 50 years. But today, as we stand with the state of the opioid crisis, with the state of the the crises you're dealing with from a mental health perspective. There's a lot of unsolved areas, and I believe that there are some really good pharma companies there that at their core, they're purpose-driven companies, and these are companies that will partner with us to go back to the plant, to find the right plants with the right compound in their full-spectrum composition to be able to be grown on our platform, which can grow it consistently, which can give them the ability to do patents because what we do is different, you know, versus what's originally found in the plant. We increase the levels and therefore we can get patentability. And to bring these products to consumers in the mental health space. So whether it's, you know, psychedelics, whether it's the world of traditional Chinese medicine, our technology can go in these areas. So for the short term, we're very focused on scaling our vineyard business, obviously starting to um, you know, drive our cannabis business in critical markets like the U.S., but we're also working on what's that third vertical that we can bring to the world, leveraging the power of our technology so that we can bring the power of the plant back to the people with purpose and in a way that we're making sure that we're leaving the planet in a better situation for our children and our grandchildren. Well, look, Elon, thank you for the work that you're doing. Ever since I heard about this company, it's like every time I talk to you, I'm more blown away with another amazing story of the stuff that you guys are getting up to. And I'm sure of it. It's like one of those things. I can't wait to see what you guys are able to do and how this impacts just kind of the world in a positive way. And not only that, getting these kind of supplements that get people moving and feeling good like this this is exciting stuff i i i'm looking forward to trying all of the different ones that you have uh and definitely the space weed let me know when that's ready <laughs> thank you adam i i really appreciate this opportunity to talk uh to talk a little you know a little bit about my journey and and um you know i guess ultimately at its core the responsibilities that um ceos have today um, who are driving, leading um, purpose-driven companies. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, the the average investor out there and specifically also the, the average consumer out there are looking more more and more for purpose-driven companies. And and this is a great, it's just an amazing opportunity to be able to, to play an important leadership role. And, and we're doing our best 
to be able to you know make significant strides every day in this area and I'm very very blessed to have an amazing team and I'll share this with you one of the one of the facts that I'm most proud of in our company is that 50% of our workforce is above the age of 50 now that for me in the world of biotech because we're a biotech company experience is everything and you know we have people I have um, technicians who are over the age of 70 working in our business. Um, and these people are phenomenal. They have such amazing experience. And this is what the world of biotech is all about. And I, I, again, it goes back to purpose-driven company companies. Age is, you know, age, you know, literally, there's, there's, from an age, overall age perspective, it's all about experience. And that experience is so critical to be able to bring better products for the next generations to come. So thank you for this opportunity. And I really enjoyed um, the discussion and the, and the questions and the probing that you did. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah. And look, guys, I hope you enjoyed this. There's going to be links in the bio, a lot of information connecting to their site, the technology. Check it out. There's videos on there that kind of explain how this stuff goes. And this is one of those companies that I... I'm going to start doing series of just bringing good information to you guys like this, finding super interesting people like Elon and really just keep a keep an eye out for this. Watch this company as it grows and hopefully, you know, you you can see how big it's going to get. I'm really excited. And thank you Elon for today. I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks a million, Adam. Take care. All right, see ya. We'll